0: Section 13 of the Satyricon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by cypram The Satyricon by Gaius Petronius Arbiter, translated by W.C. Firebaugh, Volume 4. and Colpius Githon and Eumolpus Escaped by Sea. Chapter the Ninety-Ninth. I have always, and everywhere, lived such a life that each passing day was spent as though that light would never return. That is, in tranquillity. Put aside those thoughts which worry you, if you wish to follow my lead. Ascultus persecutes you here. Get out of his way. I am about to start for foreign parts. You may come with me. I have taken a berth on a vessel which will probably weigh anchor this very night. I am well known on board, and we shall be well received.' leave then thy home and seek a foreign shore brave youth for thee thy destiny holds more to no misfortune yield the danube far shall know thy spirit and the polar star and placid nile and they who dwell in lands where sunrise starts or they where sunset ends a new ulysses treads on foreign sands to me this advice seemed both sound and practical because it would free me from any annoyance by Ascultos, and because it gave promise of a happier life I was overcome by the kindly sympathy of Eumolpus, and was especially sorry for the latest injury I had done him. I began to repent my jealousy, which had been the cause of so many unpleasant happenings, and with many tears I begged and pled with him to admit me into favour. As lovers cannot control their furious jealousy, and vowing, at the same time, that I would not by word or deed give him cause for offence in the future. And he, like a learned and cultivated gentleman, ought to remove all irritation from his mind, and leave no trace of it behind. The snows belong upon the ground in wild and uncultivated regions, but where the earth has been beautified by the conquest of the plough, the light snow melts away while you speak of it. And so it is with the anger in the heart. In savage minds it lingers long, it glides quickly away from the cultured. "'That you may experience the truth of what you say,' exclaimed Eumolpus. "'See, I end my anger with a kiss. "'May good luck go with us. "'Get your baggage together and follow me, or go on ahead if you prefer.' While he was speaking, a knock sounded at the door, and a sailor with a bristling beard stood upon the threshold. "'You're hanging in the wind, Eumolpus,' said he, "'as if you didn't know that son of a bitch of a skipper. "'Without further delay, we all got up. "'Eumolpus ordered his servant, who had been asleep for some time, "'to bring his baggage out.' Giton and I packed together whatever we have for the voyage, and, after praying to the stars, we went aboard. CHAPTER THE ONE We picked out a retired spot on the poop, and Humolpus dozed off, as it was not yet daylight. Neither Giton nor myself could get a wink of sleep, however. Anxiously I reflected that I had received Humolpus as a comrade, a rival more formidable than Ascultos, and that thought tortured me. But reason soon put my uneasiness to flight it is unfortunate said i to myself that the lad has so taken our friend's fancy but what of it is not nature's every masterpiece common to all the sun shines upon all alike the moon with her innumerable train of stars lights even the wild beasts to their food what can be more beautiful than water yet it flows for common use shall love alone then be stolen rather than be regarded as a prize to be won No, indeed, I desire no possession unless the world envies me for possessing it. A solitary old man can scarcely become a serious rival. Even should he wish to take advantage, he would lose it through lack of breath. When, but without any confidence, I had arrived at these conclusions, and beguiled my uneasy spirit, I covered my head with my tunic and began to feign sleep, when all of a sudden, as though fortune were bent upon annihilating my peace of mind, a voice upon the ship's deck gritted out something like this so he fooled me after all as this voice which was a man's and was only too familiar struck my ears my heart fluttered and then a woman equally furious spat out more spitefully still if only some god would put githon into my hands what a fine time i would give that runaway stunned by these unexpected words we both turned pale as death i was completely terrified and as though i were enveloped in some turbulent nightmare was a long time finding my voice, but at last, with trembling hands, I tugged at the hem of Eumolpus' clothing, just as he was sinking into slumber. Father, I quavered, on your word of honor, can you tell me whose ship this is and whom she has aboard? Peeved at being disturbed. So, he snapped, this was the reason you wished to have us quartered in the most inaccessible spot on deck, was it? So we could get no rest. What good will it do you when I've informed you that Lucas of Tarentum is master of this ship and that he carries Trupina as an exile to Tarentum? Chapter the 101st. I shivered, horror struck, at this thunderbolt, and, beating my throat, O oh, destiny, I wailed, you've vanquished me completely at last. As for Giton, he fell in a faint upon my bosom and remained unconscious for quite a while, until a sweat finally relieved our tension, whereupon, hugging Eumolpus around the knees, Take pity upon the perishing I besought him. In the name of our common learning, aid us. Death himself hangs over us, and he will come as a relief unless you help us. Overwhelmed by this implication, Eumolpus swore by all the gods and goddesses that he knew nothing of what had happened, nor had he any ulterior purpose in mind, but that he had brought his companions upon this voyage which he himself had long intended taking, with the most upright intentions and in the best of good faith. But, demanded he, What is this ambush? Who is this Hannibal who sails with us? Lucas of Tarentum is a most respectable citizen and the owner not only of this ship which he commands in person, but of landed estates as well as commercial houses under the management of slaves. He carries a cargo consigned to market. He is the Cyclops, the arch-pirate to whom we owe our passage. And then, besides himself, there is Trupina, a most charming woman, traveling about here and there in search of pleasure. But, objected Giton, they are the very ones whom we are most anxious to avoid, whereupon he explained to the astonished Humolpus the reasons for their enmity and for the danger which threatened us. So muddled did he become, at what he had told him, that he lost the power of thinking, and requested each of us to offer his own opinion. Just imagine, said he, that we are trapped in the Cyclops' cave. Some way out must be found unless we bring about a shipwreck and free ourselves from all dangers." "'Bribe the pilot, if necessary, and persuade him to steer the ship into some port,' volunteered Giton. "'Tell him your brother's nearly dead from sea-sickness, your woe-begone face and streaming tears will lend color to your deception, and the pilot may be moved to mercy and grant your prayer.' Eumolpus denied the practicability of this. "'It is only with difficulty,' affirmed he, "'that large ships are warped into landlocked harbors. Nor would it appear probable that my brother could have taken so desperately in so short a time.' and then Lucas will be sure to want to visit a sick passenger as part of his duties. You can see for yourselves what a fine stroke it would be, bringing the captain to his own runaways. But supposing the ship could be put off her course, supposing that Lucas did not hold sick call, how could we leave the ship in such a manner as not to be stared at by all the rest? With muffled heads? With bare? If muffled, who would not want to lend the sick man a hand? if bare what would it mean if not prescribing ourselves chapter the one hundred and second why would it not be better to take refuge in boldness i asked slide down the rope into the ship's boat cut the painter and leave the rest to luck and furthermore i would not involve eumolpus in this adventure for what is the good of getting an innocent man into troubles with which he has no concern i shall be well content if chance helps us into the boat Not a bad scheme, Eumolpus agreed, if it could only be carried out. But who could help seeing you when you start, especially the man at the helm, who stands watch all night long and observes even the motions of the stars? But it could be done in spite of that, when he dozed off for a second, that is, if you chose some other part of the ship from which to start. As it is, it must be the stern. You must even slip down the rudder itself, for that is where the painter that holds the boat in tow is made fast and there is still something else, and culpious. I am surprised that it has not occurred to you that one sailor is on watch, lying in the boat night and day. You couldn't get rid of that watchman except by cutting his throat or throwing him overboard by force. Consult your own courage as to whether that can be done or not. And as far as my coming with you is concerned, I shirk no danger which holds out any hopes of success. But to throw away life without a reason, as if it were a thing of no moment, is something which I do not believe that even you would sanction. See what you think of this. I will wrap you up in two hide baggage covers, tie you with thongs, and stow you among my clothing, as baggage, leaving the ends somewhat open, of course, so you can breathe and get your food. Then I will raise a hue and cry because my slaves have thrown themselves into the sea, fearing worse punishment, and when the ship makes port, I will carry you out as baggage without exciting the slightest suspicion. "'Oh, so you would bundle us up like we were solid,' I sneered. "'Our bellies wouldn't make trouble for us, of course, and we'll never sneeze nor snore. "'And all because a similar trick turned out successfully before. "'Think the matter over. Being tied up could be endured for one day, "'but suppose it might have to be for longer. "'What if we should be becalmed? "'What if we were struck by a storm from the wrong quarter of the heavens? "'What could we do then? "'Even clothes will cut through at the wrinkles when they are tied up too long, "'and paper in bundles will lose its shape.' do you imagine that we who are young and unused to hardship could endure the filthy rags and lashings necessary to such an operation as statues do no that's settled some other road to safety must be found i have thought up a scheme see what you think of it eumolpus is a man of letters he will have ink about him of course with this remedy, then, let's change our complexions from hair to toenails. Then, in the guise of Ethiopian slaves, we shall be ready at hand to wait upon you, light-hearted as having escaped the torturer, and, with our altered complexions, we can't impose upon our enemies. Yes, indeed, sneered Giton, and be sure and circumcise us, too, so we will be taken for Jews, pierce our ears so we will look like Arabs, chalk up our faces so that Gaul will take us for her own sons, as if color alone could change one's figure as if many other details did not require consideration of a passable imposture is to result even granting the stained face can keep its color for some time suppose that not a drop of water should spot the skin suppose that the garment did not stink to the ink as it often does where no gum is used tell me We can't make our lips so hideously thick, can we? We can't kink our hair with a curling iron, can we? We can't harrow our foreheads with scars, can we? We can't force our legs into the form of a bow or walk with our ankle bones on the ground, can we? Can we trim our beards after the Fornid style? No. Artificial color dirties the body without changing it. Listen to the plan which I have thought out in my desperation. Let's tie our garments around our heads and throw ourselves into the deep. Chapter the 103rd "'Gods and men forbid that you should make so base an ending of your lives,' cried Eumolpus. "'No, it will be better to do as I direct. As you may gather from this razor, my servant is a barber. Let him shave your heads and eyebrows too, and quickly at that. I will follow after him, and I will mark my inscription so cleverly upon your foreheads that you will be mistaken for slaves who have been branded. The same letters will—' serve both to quiet the suspicions of the curious and to conceal under semblance of punishment your real features we did not delay the execution of this scheme but sneaking stealthily to the ship's side we submitted our heads and eyebrows to the barber that he might shave them clean eumolpus covered our foreheads completely with large letters and with a liberal hand spread out the universally known mark of the fugitive across the face of each of us as luck would have it One of the passengers, who was terribly seasick, was hanging over the ship's side, easing his stomach. He saw the barber busy at his unseasonable task by the light of the moon, and, cursing the omen which resembled the last offering of a crew before shipwreck, he threw himself into his bunk. Pretending not to hear his puking curses, we reverted to our melancholy train of thought, and, settling ourselves down in silence, we passed the remaining hours of the night in fitful slumber. On the following morning, Eumolpus entered Lucas' cabin as soon as he knew that Trupina was out of bed and, after some conversation upon the happy voyage of which the fine weather gave promise, Lucas turned to Trupina and remarked, Chapter the 104th Priapus appeared to me in a dream and seemed to say, Know that Encolpius, whom you seek, has by me been led aboard your ship? Trupina trembled violently you would think we had slept together she cried for a bust of neptune which i saw in the gallery at baiae said to me in my dream you will find Giton aboard luca's ship from which you can see epicurus was a man inspired remarked Eumolpus. he passed sentence upon mocking phantasms of that kind in a very witchy manner Dreams that delude the mind with flitting shades, by neither powers of air nor gods are sent. Each makes his own, and when relaxed in sleep the members lie, the mind, without restraint, can flit and reenact by night the deeds that occupied the day. The warrior fierce who cities shakes and towns destroys by fire, maneuvering armies, seas and javelins, and funerals of kings and bloody fields. The cringing lawyer dreams of courts and trials, the miser hides his hoard new treasures finds. The hunter's horn and hounds, the forest's awake. The shipwrecked sailor from his hulk is swept, or washed abroad. Just misses his perishing, adulteresses will bribe, and harlots write. till lovers, dogs in dreams their hair still coarse, and old wounds ache most poignantly in dreams. What's to prevent our searching the ship? Said Lucas, after he had expiated through Pina's dream so that we will not be guilty of neglecting the revelations of providence. And who were the rascals who were being shaved last night by the light of the moon, crimed in Jesus? Unexpectedly, for that was the name of the fellow who had caught us at our furtive transformation in the night. A rotten thing to do, I swear. From what I hear, it's unlawful for any living man aboard a ship to shed hair or nails, unless the wind has kicked up a heavy sea. Chapter the 105th Lucas was greatly disturbed by this information, and flew into a rage. So, someone aboard my ship cut off his hair, did he? He bawled. And at dead of night, too! Bring the offenders aft on deck here, and step lively, so that I can tell whom to punish from their heads that the ship may be freed from the curse. I ordered it done, Eumolpus broke in, and I didn't order it as an unlucky omen, either. Seeing that I had to be aboard the same vessel, I did it because the scoundrels had long, matted hair. I ordered the filth cleared off the wretches, because I did not wish to even seem to make a prison out of your ship. Besides, I did not want the seared scars of the letters to be hidden in the least, by the interference of the hair, as they ought to be in plain sight, for every one to read, and at full length, too. In addition to their other misdemeanours, they blew in my money on a street-walker, whom they kept in common. Only last night I dragged them away from her, reeking with wine and perfumes, as they were, and they still stink of the remnants of my patrimony. Thereupon forty stripes were ordered for each of us, that the tutelary genius of the ship might be propitiated, and they were not long about it either eager to propitiate the tutelary genius with our wretched blood the savage sailors rushed upon us with their rope's ends for my part i endured three lashes with spartan fortitude but at the very first blow Giton put up such a howling that his all too familiar voice reached the ears of Trupaina. nor was she the only one who was in a flutter for attracted by this familiar voice all the maids rushed to where he was being flogged Giton had already moderated the ardor of the sailors by his wonderful beauty he appealed to his torturers without uttering a word it's Giton, it's Giton the maids all screamed in unison hold your hands you brutes help madame it's Trupina turned willing ears she had recognized the voice herself and flew to the boy lucas who knew me well as if he had heard my voice now ran up He glanced at neither face nor hands, but directed his eyes towards parts lower down. Courteously he shook hands with them. "'How do you do, Encolpius?' he said. "'Let no one be surprised at Ulysses' nurse discovering, after twenty years, the scar that established his identity. Since this man, so keenly observant, had, in spite of the most skilful disguise of every feature and the obliteration of every identifying mark upon my body— so surely hit upon the sole means of identifying his fugitive. Deceived by our appearance, Trupaina wept bitterly, believing that the marks upon our foreheads were, in truth, the brands of prisoners. She asked us gently into what slave's prison we had fallen in our wanderings, and whose cruel hands had inflicted this punishment. Still, fugitives whose members had gotten into tr- trouble certainly deserved more punishments. End of Section 13